0: Welcome back to the We Know Ball podcast, coming to you early on this Tuesday morning, and
1: Gavin, week one of football was awesome. Week one, baby. We're back in full swing, and man, was this weekend action-packed.
0: Oh yeah, we got a packed show for you guys today, breaking down all the biggest storylines of the weekend, then we'll recap the games we liked in week one, then introducing a new segment this week, winners and losers of the weekend. Lastly, we wrap up the show by breaking down our picks and how we did in the gambling arena. So, jumping into these storylines right away, oh man, Gavin, were we wrong about the Colorado Buffalo?
1: We weren't just wrong, Jasper. We, we didn't even touch on them because I quite frankly didn't think they were worth touching on. I wasn't buying the Deion Sanders coach prime hype. I wasn't buying the Shadour hype. I wasn't buying the Travis Hunter hype. I will be the first to admit we, we were wrong. This offense put up points and they put them up quick.
0: Yeah, and I mean, you mentioned Travis Hunter. He might be the best fucking football player in the country. I mean, he played 129 snaps, 119 yards receiving, and that pick he jumped the route on. His field vision's insane. he's he might be the best football player in the country. He's so good.
1: He looked, he looked incredible. You know, it's, it's hard to see his talent because we never got to see him at Jackson State. But he comes over to Colorado, makes an immediate impact right away, and I expect him to do big things moving forward. However, you do bring up that 120 snaps. It's gonna to be tough to maintain his durability playing 120 snaps every single game on both sides. But hey, you know what? I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt for right now. Love what I saw from Colorado in week
0: one. We apologize. Another player on Colorado we just gotta highlight is Shadir Sanders, Deion's son. 38 of 47 throwing, 510 yards, four touchdowns. He looked phenomenal, made every throw you could ask him to, Look calm and cool under pressure. Unreal performance, and the last thing i got to highlight in this game, four players with 100 yards receiving.
1: I'm going to not get too overzealous on this Colorado. I think a lot of people are overreacting to this game. Don't get me wrong. They played really well, and I was wrong. They, They are a lot better than I gave them credit for preseason. However, it is week one, and it was a TCU team, which is not the same team they were last year, and guess what? They still scored 42 points. This Colorado defense has question marks that need to be addressed. However, take your victory lap, Colorado. Great week one performance. Everyone wrote you off, and you ain't right back, all right? Great W. Great W.
0: Yeah, I completely agree. I think this is more of a symbolic victory, if anything. You come into the number two or like the national championship runner up from last year. You have all these reporters saying you're not going to do shit in the Pac 12. You go out there, you prove them wrong if you're Dion. And I think. As soon as next football season, we might be talking about Deion Sanders as the next best football coach in the country. We'll have to see. I think
1: it's still really early to say that. I do want to see how they fare against Nebraska this weekend, a team that should be much better on defense than the Horn Frogs are. But hey, Dion looks like he is starting to write that ship. He brought his bags, and, and they're Louie. They're Louie, alright? They're putting up points, but it's a long, long, long season. Let's not get too overzealous here. Let's see how they fare week two against the Huskers. In Boulder, first home game of Coach Prime, home debut.
0: Man, if you don't think Folsom Field is going to be rocking this Saturday, oh, man, it's going to be a fun football game to watch. Jumping over to another game that we thought was going to be more fun to watch than it was, LSU versus FSU. And before we get into anything, this game was just so sloppy, Gavin.
1: So sloppy and on both sides of the football too. And I know we're you know, you're gonna give your praise to FSU and rightfully so they put up 45, four TDs for Jordan Travis. He looks great out there, but both teams made a lot of mistakes. I mean, I just talked about Jordan Travis, how great it looked. He threw a screen pass straight to the LCU defense, and there was another play where he threw a jump pass from his own ten-yard line, should have been picked, and that would change the momentum of the game. And on the LSU side, you got drop passes, you got fumbles, you got Jaden Daniels looking just absolutely horrible. Super, super sloppy stuff in this game.
0: Yeah, you're absolutely right. And Jane Daniels was getting ragdolled out there. He could not figure out how to slide to save his life. But you're right, the Johnny Wilson drops. And I think what really, like, just put this game, could, like, symbolize this game in one play, or two plays, I guess, was the muff punt into the interception right after. That was just ridiculous. But as you said, I think FSU looked pretty good. I mean, they were the more complete team in the line of scrimmage. LSU was afraid to run the ball at the middle. And I know you think Jordan Tavis has some bad throws, which he did. But... They couldn't get the running game going either, so that's why he had to throw it more. Keon Coleman was a menace to this depleted LSU secondary. I came out of this game feeling really good about FSU's chances to win the ACC, especially after what we saw on Monday, which we'll get into here in a bit. Yeah, we'll get into the Clemson debacle that happened,
1: but you're right, you're right. Initially watching the game, I was low on how FSU performed. I'm a little bit higher now, just getting that Clemson game. Jordan Travis did play better than I gave him credit for initially, however, I have problems with this FSU defense, and that was our problem with them in our ACC preview was how would this defense hold up um, in a Mike Norvell system. Jaden Daniels threw for 350 yards on them. and. Jaden Daniels is not a good passer of the football. He's a decent runner, not a good passer of the football. I know I told you that I had concerns and I I, I wondered what Cade Klubdeck would do to this secondary. Well, both concerns had been assuaged after seeing Cade Klubdeck trying to throw the football last night, but if this team really wants to contend for a national
0: championship,
1: those secondary question marks are gonna have to be answered. Line of scrimmage looked great, but the secondary was a, a concern
0: for me. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I mean, the fact they were able to stop the run effectively and just get after Jane Daniels was great. But, I mean, a lot of his throws were just these dink and dunk passes that just got taken up the field. you got to clean that up, especially if you want to be a contender, not only in the ACC, but in the college football playoff. Sure, sure.
1: And, you know, everywhere else they look fine. They won the line of scrimmage. Uh, It wasn't wasn't a contest, the line of scrimmage. FSU won that easily. Travis looked good, like we said. And I think the big winner of that game was Keon Coleman. I mean, wow, what a pickup in the transfer portal for Michigan State. He looks like a NFL-ready wide receiver right
0: now. But yeah as for lsu they're in major trouble this defense can't stop jackson jane daniels is the offense and he can't be the offense because he's not good enough to be the offense and they seem destined for regression this season in a West that is, frankly, wide open at this point.
1: Yeah. Couldn't agree more. That game terrified me. And I know we, we weren't super high on LSU to begin with. I think each of us had them finishing second in the West. I don't have them finishing far lower in the West. After watching this weekend. I think a is better than them. I think Auburn is better than them. That defense was just, it was hard to watch. Really, really hard to watch. And you mentioned Jaden Daniels cannot be the guy moving forward. I think they're going to be in for a world of pain when they travel down to Oxford and take on Lane kick from the hottie toddy in
0: three weeks. Oh yeah, that's going to be a brutal game for them. Speaking of another brutal game and a team that will also be not making the college football playoff this year, Duke upset Clemson for the first time since 2007, I think, and Gavin, we're going to give your flowers right off the bat here. You were right about the Duke Blue Devils. I love the Blue Devils. I said it during our
1: AC preview. I said it when I gave the pick for plus 13. I thought it was free as air. They're good. This team's good. This team that won nine games last year and returned 17 starters, including number three QB prospect Riley Leonard and probably the most important returner of all, Mike Elko. This guy can coach football. He is phenomenal. He had that defense ready to go. The secondary is flying all over the place. Now, the one concern I did have, they got manhandled up front for the third quarter. The rest of the game looked pretty decent. They were able to shut down the run for the most part, but the secondary looked phenomenal. And that was the strong suit that I said would be the strong suit of this Duke defense. Two years ago, this is one of the worst defenses in the country. My elbow comes in in year one, they do a little bit better. And guess what? They're taking a big step forward in year two. I don't even know what their odds are to win the ACC right now, but man, I've seen that game. I, I kind of want to take them. I love what I saw at a He looked very poised, very calm, like a true captain as he should be, and man, just give this defense their flowers, flying all over the field, making some stops, forcing two fumbles inside the 10-yard line, well, forcing one, Cade Clubnick forced the other one, but you know, they got away with some some, some lucky breaks, those two fumbles plus those two blocked field goals, but all in all, I mean, they were going to cover that plus 13 with ease, no matter if those, those touchdowns happened. They looked really, really good. Great for Duke and really bad for Clemson. I'll let you talk about how bad Clemson looked.
0: Yeah, so we all know I was really low on Clemson to start the season, and it started with Cade Clubnick. He looked terrible. There was just so much miscommunication on offense, whether it was the two red zone fumbles or just the lack of cohesion under him as quarterback. If I'm a Clemson fan right now, I at least owe DJ Young Lee a major apology, <laughs> because what Garrett Riley and Kate Clubnick got cooking right now is nothing scary. The big story of the night, though, as you said, is Duke and Mike Elko. And, I mean, they were able to overcome some horrible play by Calhoun with the muff pun and then oh, all the third down drops. God. But Riley Letter was awesome, man. The kid can just ball. Yeah, this Clemson front his face all night and he hung in there he impro- he improvised super well I mean whether it was the rushing touchdown or just getting the ball out on fourth down and that fourth and seven but most importantly he did not make mistakes with the football and that's what the game was all about it was about which team was going to protect the football and I mean I think we all came to this game expecting Clemson to protect the football and they just couldn't do it mm-hmm. but Clemson was by far the more physical team though up front as you said but outside of Will Shipley does anyone really scare you on this offense if you're Florida State and Notre Dame? film off
1: of but that that's that's another running back. I mean he looks good, but we talked about the FSU secondary looking week. Kate Klubnik's not attacking any secondary after what I saw last night. Notre Dame looks head and shoulders better than Clemson Tigers. I have serious concerns for what that game might look like. Clemson though, they've got three weeks to figure this out. They take on the Seminoles in three weeks. That is not enough time. Garrett Riley's offense needs to get going and get going fast. And quite frankly, right now, I have no confidence in it. The other position group that I was really surprised by by Clemson' uh, low performance: the wide receivers. They did not look good whatsoever. Antonio Williams, expecting him to do big things this year, he looked awful. Dropping passes, not, not getting created enough separation with this Duke secondary. I don't know. I you know, I I wanna give Duke their flowers because I love this team and I think I was right about them being very good this year, but I also don't know how much stock to put into just how bad Clemson was.
0: And I think you got to give Duke credit because of just how physical the D-line was for Clemson and how their O-line didn't play poorly, but they were clearly overwhelmed when you got a bunch of 300-pound five-stars in your face. So (laughs) overall, I think this is a great game for Riley Leonard and company, but Clemson's in major trouble, man. I don't really know what they're headed for going forward here. I mean, they're underperforming vastly, and Cade is going to be a big reason why.
1: Yeah, yeah. And they're going to have to take care of the football moving forward. You mentioned that Duke was the better team in doing that. I think that's going to be the story of a lot of games in the ACC this year. And especially for Duke. If they can take care of the football the way they did, they're going to be a tough competitor for teams like they get Notre Dame at home on September 30th. Florida State on the road, they'll lose that game. But it's all about taking care of the football. Duke did a better job than Clemson did. Clemson needs to figure out offense fast.
0: Absolutely. Before we get into the other games of the weekend, we got to talk about Thursday's ballgames. Firstly, Florida at Utah and Duke. Florida is so bad. I think Grandmurts put up the ugliest 300 yard performance I've ever seen. <laughs>
1: yeah, when I saw Duke 300, I was just baffled. But yeah, they look bad, and you were 1000% right about it in here. He is. On the hot seat to say the least couldn't get anything going on offense the defense however looked good i will say that and i think that will keep them in some games but against teams where they cannot control the line of scrimmage and they can't get that run game going they're going to struggle to score any points
0: yeah and you mentioned the defense i think the defense looked good but they also didn't face cam rising and i don't care who you have on the defensive side when you can't score the football your team is not going to win games especially in the sec and i think the biggest thing that concerned me for this defense zero sacks and only three tackles for a loss
1: I did not see that, and thank you for pointing it out, because now my opinion is changed. Wow, this Florida team might have a chance to not go bowling this year, the way they were playing. I mean, you would have called it. Graham Mertz is, is, is not good. I—I I, the, the fact that analysts this soft season were saying he'll do better with improved uh, receiving core Florida, no, he won't. He's fucking horrible. This offense was stagnant. The running game was stagnant. And in the SEC, where it's tough to win the line of scrimmage, if they're not going to win, they might average, like, 12 points a game.
0: Oh yeah, no, absolutely. And I think, I, just, I can't wait for Billy Napier to be fired. Florida <laughs> fans deserve this for running Dan Mullen out of town. He got you to an SEC championship. He underperformed the next year, and you guys were dickwads. You are not living in the 2000s where your team can just bounce back and get major recruits. The D commits are going to start rolling in here, and Florida is going to find themselves back rebuilding and come this offseason.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, let's hop over to Utah for a second, because I don't want people getting this game twisted. Utah did not score 24 points. Utah scored 10 points and Florida scored the other 14 for them. I'm talking about seven from Graham Mertz with that interception on his own 10-yard line, and I'm talking about trotting two guys wearing the same fucking number out there on a fourth and three punt. Without Cam rising, this offense did not move the ball. Like, at all. Did not move the football. Don't tell me that Nate Johnson looked good on the ground. He looked fine. And his one touchdown came after two number threes on the field Florida. Bryson Barnes had one big play at the start of the game, threw for a 7-yard touchdown, and then went ghost after that. I have serious concerns for this Utah team contending in the Pac-12 if they're not going to get a 100% healthy Cam Rising all season.
0: No, 100%. And they take on a Baylor team next week who also has a quarterback injury, but it's going to be a battle of backups. That game could be like... 13-7. <laughs> yeah,
1: seriously. Especially in Waco, too. Uh, we know uh, how well Utah plays on the road. By how well, I mean how not well. They fucking suck on the road. We'll get to our you know college football picks in the pod later this week, but I'm going to have a hard time not taking Baylor. I know they got the backup quarterback out there, Mississippi State transfer Sawyer Robinson, but uh, the way Utah looks without Cam Rising, without Grant Keithy, oh, man, not good. Really not good at all.
0: Yeah, and Baylor's going to have Reese in the ground game, so that's going to be another challenge for that Utah front to start the season. But jumping over to another team that was on the road this week, we got Nebraska versus Minnesota, and this game was exactly what we said it was going to be with Nebraska keeping it close, and they probably should have won. Minnesota didn't look all that impressive. If Jeff Sims takes better care of the football, Nebraska wins this football game. Three picks and 191 yards, not good.
1: Yeah, I mean, he had the pick again in the game, obviously, which set up the game-winning field goal, a pick at the end of the first half in the end zone. I mean, if you take three points, they would go to overtime. And then and this wasn't him, but Bumble uh, with five minutes left to give Minnesota their, uh, their their first touchdown of the game. Absolutely ate this team alive. However, I love what I saw on defense from them. This Minnesota offense is nothing to write off. They're pretty good. And Matt Rule and company came out, and they got after Kelly Manis, sacking him a bunch of times, pulled them to 13 points. You know, you mentioned we got to clean up the turnovers. Absolutely. Jeff Simms needs to be better there. But I do think a lot to build off of for Nebraska moving forward.
0: Absolutely. And I mean, I think I'm a little lower on the Minnesota offense offense than you are. Sean Taylor was okay. Calick Maness was underwhelming. Daniel Jackson was the only real highlight for this team for me. I mean, that 160-yard reception he had was unreal. But Minnesota got lucky, man. I mean, with how many times Nebraska turned the football over, they should have really pulled away instead of letting this game come down to the wire the way they did.
1: Yeah, they, they, this game shouldn't have been close. And you're right. Absolutely got lucky. I think two two turnovers in the final six minutes of the game is what cost them, ultimately. Not to mention all the other turnovers we mentioned. But like you said, we read this game like a book. Classic Big Ten battle. Week one. Conference matchup smash football. Sloppy, yes. Physical, yes. Both teams will improve going forward. I do think there's a a lot more pros than cons for each team to, to build off of. Obviously, Nebraska, cut down the turnovers. Minnesota,
0: capitalizing turnovers. Yeah, and Minnesota's gonna have a fun matchup here in a couple weeks with North Carolina. That game where they're gonna be forced to have fucking throw the ball. We'll see how it goes. Jumping to the Saturday slate and we start with the game I love this weekend and that was Fresno State versus Purdue. Now, I don't think Purdue looked terrible. Hudson Card had some great plays at quarterback. Deion Burks had himself a game, put up 152 yards and two scores to the receiver position, but for a team that was predicating its new era on defense, 39 points against a Mountain West opponent is not good enough for me.
1: No, really, really bad. And Jasper, it's time for you to take your flowers because you were all over this game with Fresno State. It looked like Purdue Purdue was adjusting because you lose Jeff Braum, you lose Aiden O'Connell, you lose everyone that had been there for the past four years and worked to get this team to the Big Ten Championship last year. It looks like there are some growing pains. And uh, my concern is how long will these growing pains take to move past? Hudson Card looked good, but you mentioned 39 points against the Fresno State team is not going to cut it, especially when you play teams like Ohio State and Michigan this season.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I say in this game, Fresno State was the more complete team. I think Purdue could have absolutely won this game if they played better on the defensive side of the ball. Easily walked out of here 1-0. But as you said, like your head coach is the Illinois former defensive coordinator. Like Your team is predicating itself on defense. Your new scheme is all based on defense. The fact that you had to play in a shootout in week one, Not great. So it's going to be an uphill battle for the Boilermakers going forward, but I think they have a solid QB and Hudson Card and have the potential to maybe get some wins we don't expect them to get later on in the year if they can work through these growing pains.
1: Yeah, especially if they can get that offensive production they got this weekend because that defense will come into form eventually. And guess what? All it takes is one week to upset a team like Ohio State with great play from Hudson Card and your defense stepping up for, for 60 minutes.
0: Jumping over to another game, we got USC versus Nevada. We talked about USC on the pod last week They needed to bounce back, and boy, did they. Caleb Williams had like 300 yards at half and was amazing, yeah. putting up five touchdowns. But to me, what I really liked about this team is they were very deep on the offensive side of the football. Caleb is a good enough quarterback, and he doesn't need to rely on a specific receiver to be his safety valve in every game. And he was able to spread the ball across his entire receiving core. Last week, it was Zachary Branch. This week, it was Taj Washington. Now, we have yet to see Dorian Sager truly get activated in this offense, but I think what he does, he's going to play a huge role. I also have to admit I was wrong about the running back group. I think they put the ball in any of these guys' hands. They're going to be just fine. Lloyd bounced back, averaging 10 yards a carry. Quinn Joyner as well, four rushes for 65 yards and a score. So, a lot to love about USC on the offensive side.
1: On the offensive side, yes. And they only gave up 14 points to Vada, yes. However, I still don't like the defense one bit. They got torched in the passing game. Again, 311 yards between two different quarterbacks. Letting Jamal Bell go for 8 for 121. Spencer Curtis, 3 for 83. John Jackson, 3 for 52. Long story short, they gave up a ton of explosive plays. And Jasper, I don't know if you saw what Michael Panix in Washington did this weekend against Boise State, but I think they could score 80 on this Trojan defense. Caleb's awesome. We know that. Offense is going to be there. But in a Pac-12 that is loaded with quarterback talent and explosive
0: offenses, man, I still have serious concerns for these Trojans. I mean, the explosive plays are just going to be a killer for them all year. And... I gotta give them a little more credit on defense though. They got after the quarterback five times and they stopped the run really well. Now they just gotta do it in the Pac 12. You know, I mean, it's gonna come around like. Now they just gotta do it in the Pac 12. I mean, they gotta stop this. They gotta stop the run. But as you said, with all this quarterback talent, it's gonna be tough. And the game I have circled on my calendar right now is when they have to come in and play Boulder here in a couple weeks, because that is a team that won their game off explosive plays.
1: Yeah, yeah, and again, we'll get a feel for what the the, the Buffaloes look like this week against Nebraska, and the defense should be a lot better. But yeah, what I'm seeing from USC right now, I am not lacking it one bit.
0: Yeah, jumping over to another team that overwhelmed us this weekend, Ohio State at Indiana. And uh uh-oh, Gavin. Ohio State has a problem at quarterback. To say Kyle McCourt looked bad is an understatement. 239 yards, zero touchdowns, and one interception against an Indiana defense. That has nothing to write home about
1: god no and i know we we touched on this last week with going on the road week one in the conference it's always gonna be hard and there is growing pains but yeah kyle McCord looked like shit. 239 yards no touchdowns one pick i gotta uh, give a shout out to my friend back home he called him alex smith and that's kind of what he looks like to me however in his explosive ohio state offense he doesn't need to be much more than Alex Smith for them to be very good. But if they want to take it to the next level and really contend for a national championship, he needs to be a lot better. The running game wasn't great either. The leading rusher will rush for 57 yards. I got some concerns in Columbus. Some big, big, big concerns.
0: Yeah, and I think the thing you mentioned that sticks out to me is the word explosive with this offense. They played at a snail's pace. Their mm-hmm. tempo was all off. They just looked out of sync entirely. And you mentioned the ground game being a struggle. Trey Henderson, a guy we were high on coming in the season, 3.9 yards on 12 attempts. That's not going to get it done. And worst of all in this game, man, Marvin Harrison, only two caught for 18 yards. He did bang up his shoulder a little
1: bit, I thought. No, did, did he come out of the game? I can't remember
0: no, he I stayed good. in the game, but still, it was a bad look for them. Do you know who their leading receiver was? No. The tight end. So on an offense that has no short of a weapons at receiver, this tells me Kyle McCord was clearly not comfortable back there under center. We're used to seeing, as I said, Ryan Day's offense be fast and explosive. They played so slow. They look timid, out of whack, and this may be an overreaction week one, but they will almost certainly lose to Michigan, if not Wisconsin, in October, if they keep this up.
1: And if not Notre Dame, a team that we're, we're not talking about a whole lot right now because they played some cupcake opponents coming out of the gates here. But guess what? They've looked effective against those cupcake opponents, moving the ball well with Sam Hartman. And that defense flying all over the place.
0: Yeah, and I mean, the Ohio defense looked great, but obviously it's Indiana, so they're not going to do anything offensively. But yeah, you're right. These Buckeyes have major concerns, especially coming into games where they're going to be in a shootout and they need to run up a score on teams. I don't see Kyle McCord doing it just yet. We'll see if they can fix it next week. Yep. Yep. Jumping over to the team that I thought looked like the best in the East this weekend, and that's the Nittany Lions at Penn State taking on West Virginia. Drew Aller looked like everything advertised. 21 of 29, 325 yards, three scores. He made every throw he needed to make and looked poised under pressure. Especially against the West Virginia defense, that was a lot better than we gave credit to, Gavin.
1: Yeah, yeah, they were good. I think, like you said, a lot better than we gave them credit for, which is good. You know, I want the Big 12 to be competitive this year. I'm looking at this Penn State defense, however. They gave up 146 yards on the ground. And I get that West Virginia is a very good rushing attack, but that's not going to cut it against a team like Michigan when you've got Blake Corm and Donovan Edwards look- looking to run it down your throat week in and week out. However, Penn State looked great. They put up nearly 500 yards of total offense. Nick Singleton averaging 5.4 on the ground, getting to the end zone. He's going to be a monster this year. And Drew Aller, you're right. He looked like everything as advertised. This guy could be the future of college football.
0: The other thing I want to mention on defense is they still need to get their secondary tested. West Virginia is not a team that's going to throw the football. But overall, you know, I think this is a good win for this Penn State squad in Week 1. Definitely a better test than the Michigans and the Ohio States of the world got in Week 1.
1: Yeah, especially, you know, at home too, get the crowd going in Death Valley there. But you're right. West Virginia is a team that runs the football. And I'm a little concerned with how many yards Penn State gave up on the ground. Almost 150, 146 to be exact two tutties there. But you're right, I want to see them tested through the air because that is where this team is
0: going to make a break on defense. Absolutely. Now heading over to the other big game that Saturday night, UNC versus South Carolina in Charlotte. And I don't normally like to do this after week one, Gav, but I'm going to say it. Beamer ball the South Carolina Gamecocks are dead. <laughs> well,
1: you said to yourself, you, you pointed this out to me that I didn't see until you know I, I had to see it to believe it. Negative two yards on the ground for the whole fucking game. And I know we talked about during our SEC preview that their ground game doesn't exist, but literally does not exist oh my god tough to watch for south carolina spencer rattler can't do it himself he threw for over 350 yards no touchdowns but over 350 yeah he's, he's gonna have to do it all himself this year and if that's the case uh you're right beaver ball is not gonna work
0: yeah and i think the, what made that 300 yard performance a little more impressive to me too was he got sacked nine times he was running for his life back there by a north carolina defense that got off the quarterback only 18 times last year
1: yeah, South Carolina's offensive line looks really bad, and North Carolina's defense looks, I think, better than we gave them credit for. Albeit, the South Carolina offensive line is really bad, like I just said. So, you know, I want, to see, I want to see the Tar Heels tested moving forward. But, hey, if you're North Carolina, this is exactly what you had to do. You had to come out, and make a statement, say, everyone thinks we're going to get upset. That's not going to happen. We still have Drake May. We still have one of the best receiving rooms in the country. Let's come out there and show them what we're made of.
0: Yeah, and I think North Carolina's ground game also looked very impressive. I think this defense has improved vastly. I'm still not sure yet. They did get torched in the secondary, but the run defense was great. Granted, South Carolina has no backfield. But hey, maybe UNC squad can make a little noise in the ACC now that it's wide open.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, especially after what we saw last night with Clemson.
0: Yeah, that wraps up our breakdown of the week one action, but we got to jump over to some winners and losers of the weekend. I'll start here, and that's going to be, Gavin, for me, any team in the Pac-12. This conference is so, so stacked. They're 13-0 as a conference after this week. Nearly every team looked dynamic on offense in week one, whether it was Michael Penix throwing for a billion yards, Oregon putting up eighty one on Portland State. Hell, even DJ and Damian Martinez over at Oregon State looked unreal. This is the deepest conference in college football at the quarterback position. It's gonna be a fun year and the perfect send off for this conference.
1: Yeah, uh, I- I'm worried about them eating each other alive <laughs> with uh, how good this conference is and with the history of eating each other alive. For my first winner, I'm gonna you know running your three winners. I'm gonna go one player, one team, one coach. I'm gonna start with the coach. Give Mike Elko his flowers, man. I mean, I was all over this guy in the off and everyone else should be now too. He's got this Duke squad playing
0: legit, and as long as they can take care of the football, they're gonna they're gonna shock the world this year. I'm right there with you. I also got a player and a coach here. And for me, that player is going to be Drew Aller. I mentioned him earlier, but I'm going to give him even more love here. I'm going to say, it. he looked like the best quarterback in the East, if not the entire Big Ten this past week. I'm mm-hmm. doubling down on my belief that I think this Penn State team can make a run at the East, if not the college football playoff, and they finally have a quarterback. I'm raising my expectations for this squad.
1: Yeah, and you know what? I i, I didn't call you crazy to begin with, but I was skeptical of how the, you know, they would fare against the Ohio State submissions to the world. They looked phenomenal, and you know what? I am all in any lines. The ceiling doesn't exist for this team. They can go as far as Drew Aller Take them and right now, it seems like he's going to take them a very long way. I'm going to go to my, my player, also staying in the quarterback department, Michael Penix. 450 yards, five touchdowns, no picks. That is exactly what you wanted to see at home in week one against a Boise State team that had upset on their mind. Jasper, it was 6 to nothing after the first quarter Boise State was winning. Michael Penix said enough is enough. They scored 28 points in the second quarter. As we mentioned, their real competition right now looks like to be USC. And if the offense is going to play this way um they are going to steamroll the trojans
0: absolutely jumping into my last pick here and that's deon sanders i just gotta say it again we were all wrong about this buffs team i don't think they're going to dominate the pac-12 because this conference is way too deep this year but he went out there and not only beat a top 25 team on the road but a cfp runner-up last year he went out there and shut everyone up i think in the next couple years we will be talking about deon sanders one of the best coaches in college football <laughs>
1: I'm going to have to be convinced a little bit more to hop on that bandwagon. But you know what? I really hope he does convince me because he can have all the chances in the world. For my winner as a team, oh my God, voice crack there. (laughs) um, We are going to go with the Texas A&M Aggies, and here's why. They played New Mexico, not exactly the best opponent, but for a team that we said we wanted to see them come out and prove everyone wrong this year, prove that they really are the team we thought they were going to be the past two years, this is a great start. Connor Wigman, 236 yards, five touchdowns. Incredibly efficient. And on the defensive side, that front four was good. That front four looked very good. And that's, that's what the season comes down to. We talked about it in the SEC preview. The front four is riddled with five stars. This is that class that came in that made everyone go, whoa, is Texas A&M going to be back? And again, it's Mexico, take it with a grain salt. But 52-10 to 10 at home in Week 1 is exactly what you want to see. And especially after what we just saw out of LSU, Texas A&M could be the team that Bama has to contend with. And don't forget, Bama goes to Aggieland this year.
0: Oh, yeah. And I think the most impressive thing about this game is they did it without our big star of the year, Ruben Owens.
1: Yep, yep. And they didn't need him. Didn't need yep. him this game. Um, I expect him to break out eventually at some point this season. But get that defensive front four going and good things will follow this Aggie
0: team. Absolutely, I'm right there with you. Heading over to the losers of the week, and for me, I gotta start with every top 10 team that didn't face a real challenge. This is one of the weaker week one slates I think we've seen in years, and I still have a ton of questions about a lot of teams. Mission looked good, but not like the second best team in the country. Joe Milton made a lot of great throws, but Tennessee raised some major question marks for me against a really just horrible Virginia squad. Mm-hmm. Georgia played nobody. Bama played nobody. I just wish we could have gotten some more answers in week one, but next week's slate will be great, so I think we'll get a lot more information about these teams heading forward.
1: I agree. Really excited for next week's slate. There are a lot of games on there that aren't exactly top 25 matchups, but I think games that still will be very, very, very telling of what teams going to be like this year. My first loser of the week in the coaching department, my god, Dabo, sweetie, Is he on the hot seat? Is he on the hot seat? I don't think he is quite yet, but wow, his inability to dip into the transfer portal, I think, really shined last night. This team looked just simply not as talented as the Clemson teams that we're used to seeing from the past decade, and that is going to be a major storyline moving forward.
0: Yeah, I showed you the clip last night, but Davos, when always built his squads on kind of this cult-like following of him as this guy who just knows what's going on. And he's starting to lose a little talent because of that. He's he's a, he's a, he's a college football old head, I'll say it. Yeah. He doesn't like NIL, he doesn't like the transfer portal. I mean, what, what was the quote he had? We built this program on the name, image, and likeness of God. <laughs> no, you need to pay your players, man. Come on.
1: Yeah, yeah. If, you know, if I'm a young recruit and I'm looking at where I want to play, Clemson's not the
0: top of my list right now. Absolutely not. No, no. Far from it. Jumping over to my big loser of the week, and that is Tanner Mordecai and the Wisconsin Air Raid. This offense had fits against a MAC-10 defense. Mordecai had two really bad picks, and they were entirely his fault. There were also some brutal drops in this revamped receiving court. If it weren't for a running game with Chez Midalusi and Braylon Allen carrying the load for this team, they would have been in serious trouble week one. That's the other thing about that offense. This is supposed to be predicated on the pass. This team once they had the same inconsistencies as last season, and I hate to do this, and I'm not saying it's going to happen, but I'm once again putting this Wisconsin team on upset watch against Washington State on the road in Week 2. I need to see more.
1: Yeah, yeah, and you know what? I'm, I'm right there with you on us being on upset watch. We look horrible, absolutely horrible on offense. You're right. The running game saved us, and that's what we're trying to get away from. We do not want to rely on the running game. We want to run the air raid. We want Tanner Mordecai to just air it the fuck out throw some deep balls, and it looks really bad. You know what? As a Wisconsin fan, because I want to see us do well, I'm going to attribute it to growing pains, and I really hope that we come back and bounce back in a big way against Wazoo this week up there in Washington.
0: Same here, especially because this game could become a shootout quick with Cam Ward. Cam Ward played really well last week. I think he's finally starting to find his footing in Washington State. So if they start to run up the score on us, we're going to need to throw the ball, and we're going to need to throw it effectively.
1: Yep. My team loser for the week, I'm going to stay in the Big Ten. The Iowa Hawkeyes. Someone's getting fired. And his last name is Ference. They scored 24 points against Utah State. Can you imagine how many points they're going to average a season in the Big Ten? Well, with a bunch of good defenses? Maybe, maybe 20, maybe 21? I can guarantee you it's not going to be the 28 that's required to keep his job. You and I both... We we're low in Iowa, and I think we are proven right. Uh, I think we we're proven right a lot this weekend, especially in this game. They were 25 and a half point favorites. We forgot to mention this last week. They're not beating anybody by 26 points. I don't give a fuck if you're a high school team. Iowa's not beating you by 26. The athletic department wants this team to take steps forward in offense. Quite simply, they're not gonna take them, and this was a bad weekend for the Hawkeyes.
0: Especially with your new quarterback in Caden McNamara, and I think the biggest thing, though, that really has me worried about the Hawkeyes, Utah State, 14 points, and a team, another one that predicates itself on defense, yeah. not good, man, heading no. forward. No, not at all. Yeah. My yeah. last loser of the week, is top 25 teams that did face a test this weekend. (laughs) And that is going to be Clemson, LSU, and TCU. You all got exposed this weekend. Now, is your season over? Well, for the two teams that had their eyes on the CFP, yes, it absolutely is but you still have work to do. If y'all are really the programs you've been advertised as this season, you'll go out there and make adjustments. But if not, it's going to be tough, especially against these teams like LSU and Clemson with conferences and divisions that are wide open. This is a bad look for y'all. Also, Dabo, you are such a loser. I hate you. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, Dabo's losing a lot of credibility,
1: especially on this podcast. My final loser of the week has got to be the Baylor Bears. 27-point favorites, and you lose outright by 11 at home at Texas State, and your quarterback goes down with the torn MCL, and you got to play Utah the coming week. Bad scenes all around for Baylor. However, like I said earlier in the podcast, I still think they could keep it close with Utah simply because Utah also does not have a guy named Cam Rising.
0: Yep, absolutely. Jumping over to our picks from the weekend, and we had another good one, Gav. I mean, we hit the Florida we hit the Florida Utah under, we hit the Minnesota Nebraska under, you had Cal minus seven, Duke plus thirteen, I got Fresno money line, and Miami minus seventeen. The big loser this weekend that I was pretty bummed about was the Red Raiders minus fourteen. But hey, as we said, it's hard to win in Laramie.
1: Really tough You know maybe maybe should have backed that
0: into our analysis ahead of time looking at you know just
1: I mean Wyoming's not a great team But it's it's tough to go in there and, and, and play football But other than that like I said we read these games like a fucking book Fresno State came in there and showed They were the more complete football team Duke obviously nothing else to say there plus 13 was a fucking joke Give it to me every single time Cal Sam Jackson went down, but the running game Stepped the fuck up they scored 50 points against North Texas that game wasn't close either and then yeah So what, what was your other pick you won you had um, we had Miami, Miami minus 17 Miami minus 17, yeah They they looked okay The one thing I will say about Miami though The offensive, the offensive line does not look great A lot of false start penalties that kind of cost them some extra yards, some extra points And they stuffed Miami to Ohio on 4th down a couple of times in their own territory That's going to have to be cleaned out moving forward If this Miami team is going to be what I thought they were going to be Which is a very good contending team
0: in a wide open ACC but hey, they'll have a great test next week, I mean with the Texas A and m Friends in front, which as we said looks really good this weekend.
1: Yeah, yeah. So like you said, another great week for us. Four and two total. Man, it makes us nine three on the year right now. Yep. So yeah.
0: keep tailing for next money. Yes sir, yes sir. So, looking forward, we will come back to you guys later in this week with a preview of the Week 2 slate and a little breakdown for the uh, first games of the NFL season. Oh, I think a little bit, little bit more than a little breakdown. Let's let's get into it, man. A lot of games this weekend, a lot of ball to
1: talk. I'm pumped for it. This, this next show this week could be a little bit longer just because, man, I, I am just, I, I can't wait to watch football all weekend long. Oh yeah, it's gonna be great. You Got a
0: matchup you're looking forward to? Hey,
1: how could it not be Texas and Miami? I mean, come on. And then I'll also not to mention, um, Auburn goes to Berkeley this weekend. Auburn versus Cal, two other teams I was high on. I want to see if Sam Jackson plays in that game, but it's 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 gotta be Texas and Miami. And then obviously I'll just take the floor for uh, Bama Texas, but. Yeah, I want to see how my two teams are very high on fair against one another.
0: Yeah, Bam Texas, but another one I have my eye on here, mm. Tulane versus Ole Miss.
1: Woo! What's over on that game? I don't know, but it's going to get there for
0: sure. <laughs> Either way, we'll see you all later in the week. Uh, yeah, have a good one, y'all.